another edition of Unplug It as we gear towards round nine. At the time of recording, we are actually less than 24 hours out from the first bounce of the clash with Geelong. And I know last year when we played Geelong, we did a live broadcast because we almost played the next day. Ironically, we played the Gold Coast the week before and it was a four-day break into the Geelong game. And uh, we looked pretty pretty cooked by the time we got to that game. Hopefully, we can guard against that this time. A six-day break, it was pretty hot at Metricon, but uh, in saying that, back at home at Marvel and in the early stages of the season, fatigue shouldn't be an enormous factor. But at four and four, we've got our season back on track. Really important fortnight to come against a couple of the competition's pace setters in the Cats and the Dogs. So we'll find out a lot about that. But on the Gold Coast, it was a nine-point victory. And whilst it wasn't pretty and there was a lot of things that were frustrating Probably hard to be too frustrated by it simply because that happens every time we play the Gold Coast at Metricon. The game plays out exactly like that and we find a way to get over the line and win it just as we did on this occasion coming from behind. Not as far back as we've had to come in the past at at that venue, but far enough to give us some nerves when the Gold Coast kicked three goals in three minutes at the end of the third quarter and that looked like that might have been it. But 8.15 to 7.12... Uh, Some injuries out of the game. Obviously, Zach Jones not out of the game, but out of training in the last 24 to 48 hours with a pretty severe quad that will sideline him for at least eight weeks. But we'll get Seb Ross back. Congratulations to Seb. He's been a guest on this program. Obviously, he he and his wife welcomed twins last weekend. So uh, he'll come back into the fold, but we'll go more into those team changes a bit later on. But H, we're watching the game uh, together. And I think we've watched most of those Gold Coast games together and they've all played out pretty much the same way. Yeah, I'll, it's starting to feel like it's a recording, and we keep watching the same thing. It's 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 just again. I think I was saying last week that the games between us are a very very good contest, but it just seems to be now it's like three quarters of either a tight contest or Gold Coast somehow run away from us a little bit, and then we come over the top. So it, it, the script's kind of kind of written. It feels like so. It's, yeah, as frustrating as the first three quarters were, it was good to be able to run over the top of them and, yeah, get the four points again. So an interstate win's an interstate win, if you look at it that way. And um, any time you can come over four points, it's that's a great result. And, Nick, yeah, we've, uh, on H's point, we've gone into state three times and won two of them. And both of them really hard-fought wins that have shown a bit of character that the Giants win and the, and the Suns win. Yeah, I mean, it's a good sign. I mean, obviously, there's still a lot to improve on. And, and you know, I don't think we played particularly well. Um, it was a it was a tough watch. Um, you know, it was it was a really hard fought win. Like like you said, both teams really cracked in hard. Skills were were not at a premium. You know, it was it was tough to watch. But you know, I think the and as as you guys have both mentioned, you know, I think it kind of indicative of of our experience and, and the way that our list and, and our team has been built over the last few years. But it really was that experience, the cool heads. Um, you know, in the clinches in that last quarter towards the end, the end of the third quarter and the start of the last quarter that really kind of settled and, and took over. Um, and it was, it was those experienced heads that, that kind of you know, brought us over the line. And, and in, in both of those games, I think that the one that you mentioned earlier, round one, um, the win against GOS, you know, it's really important to win these, these types of games against similarly ranked clubs interstate, you know, it's, it's those games that you have to win if you want to be any chance of, of playing finals. Yeah, that, that's right. And, and dominated the last quarter. And I mean, it's, it's easy to say in retrospect, but once the last quarter started and the game started flowing and we kicked that first goal of the last quarter, it then became difficult to see how we lose. We're all over them in every sense. It took a while to, to hit the front. We, we hit the post a couple of times, but as soon as Ryder hit the front and then we kicked the goal, Ryder put us in front and we kicked the goal 30 seconds later, you thought, well, that it's hard to see them kicking two to, to beat us the way the game was going. But... Um, nervous moments all the same, but they were able to fight it out. But yeah, a lot of character in that. And I think it was something like 19 inside 50s to five in the last quarter and 10 clearances to two. And, and a lot of that led by Ryder, Crouch, Steele, Jones, Billings, uh, Marshall, th- those players that sort of really drove the bus for us. So um, yeah, it probably again demonstrated just how different we are when Paddy Ryder is in the side. We probably don't win that game without his influence at the end. Yeah, I think we were saying that has he gone ahead of Marshall as being our most important player? I mean, Marshall came back and we looked pretty good. Ryder's come back and we look brilliant. 
it's he just just he's understanding and working with the players around him going okay this is what i'm going to do if you're there i'm going to give it to you he he just has this uncanny ability to be able to yeah basically harbor harbor the contests and win the majority of the ones that he wins so it's a massive inclusion that we've been able to have it shows you the over those few weeks that we didn't have him just just how much we really did miss him and yeah i mean geelong this week their rucks are a little questionable at times so a massive game from him puts us right in the mix again this week so he didn't play against geelong last year right because on the four-day break they left him out but you're right on on his influence but it's also what he does for marshall so Mm. saw marshall even in that last quarter so when when Zach Jones found Higgins, it was because Marshall made that contest for his split the pack, brought the ball to ground. He took a mark on the wing in the last 90 seconds or so that sort of helped seal the game. So it just frees him up so Marshall can roam around a bit. So most of the last quarter, Ryder rucked and, and Marshall moved around the ground taking marks. And, and he could just it just frees up him to be even more damaging. Absolutely. And, and I think... You know, we, we spoke about it last week, but in terms of, of pure ruck craft, there aren't many better than, than Paddy Ryder. Um, and, and it's his game sense and his understanding of what needs to be done at any given time, his leadership out on the field and, and in those moments, you know, that, that one where he, he kicked the goal in the last quarter, you know, his, his understanding of where his opponent was, who was around him, what the situation was like, what part of the ground he was in um, and what he needed to do in that moment to, to almost stop his own run and not, not leap for the ball like he normally does. Um, you know, normally he gets he gets a couple of those you know, four or five really big steps in and and takes a, a leap at the at the contest and and that particular one he decided he took three steps and stayed down. Yeah, he kind of half jumped and and kept his kept his weight close to ground, his center of gravity close to ground, and had the this the the understanding um, to to kind of stay low, understood where the ball was going to be, how it was going to bounce all those things to be able to gather snap and, and kick a goal. And, and obviously that was kind of the, you know, the, the sealer, I guess, but um, yeah, you're right. In, in terms of what he allows other players to do. Um, and we saw when, you know, in, in buck moments as well, the, the impact that he had on guys like um, Bytel in the middle of the ground as well, you know, the way that he brings other players into the game and whether that's at a ruck contest at a clearance or in the way that he allows Rowan Marshall to, to impact the game in other parts of the ground. He's, he's super important. You're right. He, you're right. H he, he might be our most valuable player. I'm not sure that he's our best player, but he might, he might've become our most valuable player for those, for those very reasons. Before we um, jump into the votes, a guy that's pretty important. It's a bit of a pointer to the way I've gone with my votes as well um, is Cal Wilkie. He plays his 50th game this week and, um, hasn't missed a game since debut, and uh, Jimmy Webster also plays his hundredth. And I thought he was actually very good on on Saturday. Webster didn't make a mistake, and hasn't really made many all year. He's been got injured a couple of times, but he's been really solid coming back into the side, I reckon, and, and a good journey to a hundred games for him. But Nick, you uh, ventured down. Cal Wilkie fronted the media during the week uh, ahead of that fiftieth game, and um, yeah, he's just Mr. Reliable really in that, in that side. It's been amazing what, what he's been able to do. It, it is amazing. And it, he's just so cool, calm and collected. It's like he's a, a 200 game player. You know, he's, he's only just playing his 50th game. And, and I know that he came in you know, a little bit more experienced. He'd spent some time in the, in the SANFL and, and had developed already as a player before, before he'd even played a game. But um, what he's been able to do since round one, 2019 in his debut is, is quite amazing. Um, did a bit of research during the week after after that um, press conference and uh, wrote a piece during the week. But you know some of the some of the data around Cal Wilkie and what he's been able to do, uh, you know, as as essentially a, a third year player in the AFL, Champion Data rank him rate him as elite in one percent as spoils, contested one on ones, contested marks, and disposal efficiency, which is quite amazing. That the the skill set and the tools that he has at his disposal is really you know, amazing. And there aren't many players like him in the AFL, let alone someone who's only played 49 games of, of senior footy. Um, and just his his calmness, both with the ball and without the ball, the way that he kind of marshals the, the troops um, in, the, in the back half of the ground and, and his 
his ball use, his delivery when he's got it, when he's got ball in hand, is is you know impeccable. Yeah, he's been phenomenal, I think. And a good segue into the uh, into the votes. And I went um, across the, the three, two, and one. I gave one vote to Brad Crouch. Thought that was the best game. Uh, he's played for uh, our club. Obviously, he's only played a handful, but um, the last couple of weeks he's been really, really good. Gave some apologies. I know he was voted the centre of the round, I think, on the Facebook thing, but couldn't quite squeeze Billings in. I thought he was outstanding. Um, couldn't get Ryder in there either. I thought he was really pivotal to the results and a few others as well. But I gave the the one vote to Crouch, two to Jack Steele. I thought his, um, his leadership has kept us in the game. Early stages, kicked a couple of really pivotal goals at important stages and his clearance work was impressive. And I gave Cal Wilkie three votes. He took 14 marks, took 10 in the first half, something like nine intercepts, didn't waste a disposal. And I thought that... Um, Without the efforts of him, and Dougal Howard gets an apology as well, I thought we would have been five goals down at half time without those two players. And then Wilkie kept going, and his last quarter was big as well. So he got my three votes. Uh, Nick, which way did you go? Yeah, I found it really tough. I found it really tough. And, and you know, honourable mentions to, to Dougal Howard and Cal Wilkie. I couldn't quite fit Wilkie into, into my votes this week. But I gave one vote to Brad Crouch. Yeah, I, I think it was his his best game by a long way. I think in, in the second half, especially that, that cool head that we mentioned before and, and in that last quarter to have the composure to gather and, and kick that goal from, from 50. Um, you know, he's not a noted goal kicker, especially from, from range, from distance, but, you know, had the the presence of mind to, to kind of lower the eyes and, and, uh, and just drill it. Um, I thought he was very good. I gave two votes to Jack Billings. Um, just another really solid game from Jack. And I, I think he's probably, in the top two or three for the best and fairest at, at this point of the season. Um, he, he's doing a bit of everything. Uh, you know, this, this weekend he had 25 touches, 13 marks, 525 metres gained, um, did a bit of everything and, and kicked a couple of goals, really important goals as well at, at important times of the game. Um, and he was very close to best on ground, I thought, but um, another Mr. Reliable, I guess, for us in, in Jack Steele. Last week, I think, was the first week that um, he probably wasn't in the votes at all, but... Um, uh, the, week, the week before, I should say, but uh, Jack Steele, um, two goals, also really important goals, 28 touches, 508 metres gained, six clearances, eight tackles. You know, he just does everything and, and he does everything at a really, really high level. Um, and I thought he was our most impactful player across the full four quarters. Yeah, we've got a bit of a range this week. Um, apologies to a few of the players you've given votes to. And um, I've actually four reasons we've talked about a few minutes ago. I've gave Paddy Ryder one vote. Just gave us just gave us so much. And as you're saying, it freed freed up Marshall to do what he needed to do. He gave gave us first option. Gave us yeah, basically a target to kick the crucial goal. So yeah, it's a it's it's a pretty good game for one vote. Um gave two to Cal Wilkie. Um down back that was that was a solid game as you could want from a defender. Um it's that, that's the sort of game that, as you say, a, a 150 game player plays, not someone in there halfway through their third season. Um, it's just, he's such a solid defender and it, there's no panic. There's no, I don't know what to do. It, it just gets in there and gets it done every week for us. It's it's a one of the best pickups we've, we've had for a long time. Um, so you got two and yeah, I had to give three to, Three to captain. Um, he just yeah, he missed out completely the round before, so um, he's started to pick up a couple more here. Um, just just led by example and gave us gave us everything we need him need him to do. So um, yeah, good to get him back at the votes again. But yeah, a couple yeah, Crouch and Billings and um, even yeah, Webster probably could have snuck in for one. He was quite good, but yeah, it was a hard one of those hard weeks again to find the. Only to three. You're getting some good good goals out of our midfield too. Jack Steele's kicked nine this year. I think Billings has kicked eight or nine as well. We've seen Marshall kick goals. We've seen Ryder obviously hit the scoreboard this week. Crouch kicked the goals. Zach Jones kicked a couple the week before. I mean, without the, the, the forward line absolutely dominating in recent weeks, we've been able to get a good spread out of those mids. And our, our next guest was, was one of those who certainly did that towards the latter stages of his career in particular. He was a pretty exciting player over the journey with the Saints. Had the uh, Didn't have a lot of hair, but it used to flow a lot uh, as he was running down the uh, the middle of either Moorabbin or, or Waverley during the late 80s and, and early 90s. Had a terrific season, uh, terrific seasons in 87, 88 
and 91 in particular, which included a 33-goal season and the second goal of the elimination final in 1991. A bit of a Blast from the past in a left field one, but it is Frankie Coglin that we'll speak to this week. Rex Handball, very good. Winmar Coglin kicks the goal, does he? Yes. Makes some ground. Burke's quick kick goes straight up in the air. Kick it, couldn't take it. Yates has slipped over. Coglin with the run of it. A good chance to get the goal, and he does. Well, the next special guest, I remember when I was a kid, uh, one of the very first football videos I watched was Year of the Rising Saints, which was uh, a bit of a, a snapshot of the 1991 season. And I remember as a kid thinking, geez, Frank Coughlin was dominating. He was uh, kicking uh, goals every week, had some big bags towards the end of the year. He played a, a very good game in the elimination final. We uh, unfortunately went down to the Cats and uh, obviously digging a little bit deeper, had a very fine career, 109 games with the Saints, uh, debuting in 1986 and playing his last game in the latter stages of the 1992 season. Had outstanding years, particularly in 87, 88, and of course that 91 season we speak of. Uh, Frank Coughlin, thanks very much for joining us. No, my pleasure, Darren. Thanks for having me. Now, your early days, so Sandhurst, so Bendigo boy, you would have been zoned to Carlton. And, and as I understand it, that looked like it might have been your pathway at the start of your AFL journey. Did you always anticipate that if you were going to make it, you would have been a blue bagger? Yeah, well, obviously, all the Bendigo boys uh, at that time, ben, uh, Carlton was zoned to uh, to Bendigo, obviously, and uh, we had a training group up there at Bendigo. Greg Williams was a part of it, Gavin Exel, um, yeah, quite a few of the, the guys that went on and played, quite a few of them went down and uh, played a few practice, practice games and um, didn't quite make it. Um, but, yeah, we had a, had a pretty good time. I, I think uh, Greg... Diesel and I played uh, a couple of practice games the, the year that he was trying out for, for Carlton, and so was I. He was obviously a lot more, uh, um, what's the word, dedicated, I guess, than, than myself. And uh, as we know, he was one of the most dedicated footballers going around. And he sat in the middle for the, the whole of the couple of practice games, and I was stuck down in the forward pocket and I wasn't too concerned. I was just, uh, you know, country boy having a, having a bit of a bit of fun down there. And, um, yeah, consequently, well, actually, we both got uh, delisted and uh, history has it that Diesel went on and uh, went down to Geelong the next year. I went back to Sandhurst after having a go at Carlton and played another year at Sandhurst and... And then, lucky for me, um, Johnny Beveridge was really keen on getting me to St Kilda, along with quite a few other clubs at, at the time. I had the opportunity to go to, but I was really taken aback by Johnny Beveridge. And, you know, obviously St Kilda were pretty much at rock bottom then when, when I um, went down there and I was part of the gradual um, rise to... Like you said before, at the end of my career, we were a very strong unit. And, um, yeah, I was there when Harves played his first game, Berkey played his first game. Lowy and I actually played our first game the very same day against Sydney Swans um, at Moorabbin in the mud. And, uh, obviously, it suited my game. Not sure about Lowy. I don't think it was... Uh, his best game ever, but uh, the Moorabba Mud didn't uh, didn't probably suit Lowy too much. Um, so yeah, that was the beginning of my career, and I had a had a great time at St Kilda. You know, there's a hell of a lot of friends that I still keep in contact with, and um, enjoyed uh, you know watching these young stars that uh, went on to greater greater things, um, yeah, being part of it and uh, watching them play so well and, and watching St Kilda rise up again. 
Frank, you mentioned that, that you were pretty impressed by Johnny Beveridge and, and obviously Bevo is a bit of a, a legend at Moorabbin, but what was he it is. about, what was it about Johnny that, that impressed you? And, and, and what was that process like of, of, you know, from Carlton Santos to St Kilda? What was it about, about Bevo that, that kind of turned hmm. you? Well, he obviously made the process pretty easy. You know, he's such a, a gentle man and, you know, really cares about, uh, all these players that he brings in, well, that he brought into the club. Um, yeah, he, he come up and I remember mum and dad had scones on the table for him and he couldn't be, you know, he's such a gentleman, you know, like he, he, he went away and, and mum and dad said, oh, look, you just got to go to St Kilda because they're, they're the club, you know. So, uh, yeah. No, he's, he's a terrific fella and uh, he's still doing good work around around the club, I understand. So, uh, yeah, that's great. And you mentioned the whole being up that way and a lot of the players getting recruited down the cult and that sort of stuff. About Probably probably half of them ended up at St Kilda towards the end. So <laughs> how, how, was it, how was it reuniting with all those players who eventually did come the same direction as what you ended up being? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I didn't get to know them that well when I was uh, trying out for Carlton. You know, they were the guys that were winning premierships um, year in, year out. And uh, they were obviously Kenny Sheldon come from our area. Where I'm from Bridgewater. I'm a farmer from Bridgewater. Well, his parents were, were farmers at Midiamo, which is like it's the same minor football league. And um, you know, only twenty k's up the up north of here. So uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed uh, having Bomber come down, and he ended up being a terrific coach. And yeah, I learned a lot from all those Carlton guys. They're all terrific fellas, and you know, really helped out, helped the rise of the club. You had 25 possessions on debut, played five games in a, in a difficult year for the Saints, but 1987 would be a big year. Uh, Daryl Bulldog would take over as coach. Uh, Plugger would win a Brownlow. Uh, Nathan Burke would debut. We'd see guys like Winmar come to the club. Uh, and you'd have an unbelievable year, played 21 games, averaging 20 possessions a game. And, and St Kilda would really look like they were going places. They'd win five in a row late in the year. I imagine 87 would have been a, a bit of fun for a, an emerging player to be playing every week in a side that was getting better. It was. And uh, we started well that year and um, we had a bit of a lull, I think, sort of halfway during the year and, and come home pretty well. So, yeah, it was really exciting for the fans and obviously all the players um, that we were back in the finals and... Um, yeah, it was just unfortunate the way that year sort of panned out in the elimination final. I think uh, we played Geelong and oh, it was a terrific game and every every player that, um, you know, all the big name players, they all played really well. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great game to look back on too. Was there something that changed for you in, in that 91 91- season because obviously you know, you had a had a sensational year in front of goal as well you kicked 33 goals for the season but in in no other year before that had you kicked more than seven or eight did your role change for that 91 season um i think no well, it's more sort of up forward obviously um i was uh, recruited to the club as a, a non-baller i suppose every player that comes to the club uh, comes as a non-baller, but uh, that was my role, and um, I played ruck rover, and uh, for most of those early years, and then when Burks and Berkey and Harves, um, yeah, they were they were getting moving then, and um, so I sort of went down forward a bit more and played underneath Plugger, and you know. Obviously, my role was front and centre and kick a few goals every week. But, um, 
Um, yeah, I think it was just the fact that I was a bit closer to goal. You know, I was never renowned as a, a big goal kicker. I was more sort of in and under, I guess. So you mentioned these younger players that were coming in after yourself. Were, were you asked to take any of them under your wing at any point and try to show them the way and show them the way around the club or give, just basically keep them in line, I guess, as well? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I guess when Nicky first came over, um, I was working at, uh, a good friend of mine, Jerry Ryan's Jayco Caravans, and uh, he's a Bendigo boy, of course. And um, so Jerry said to me, oh, you know, because he's fully involved with the club, as you'd all know. And um, he said to me, I think you better sort of take, using your words, take Nicky under your wing and look after him off the field. And I was actually his boss at work. I was uh, one of Jerry's managers and, um, and I was looking after Nicky. Um, yeah, I can tell you a few stories about the times that uh, we spent together in the, in the Jayco team. But um, yeah, no, look, there was a lot of younger kids that I just admired the their worth work ethics, and um, I think uh, you know any country boy that come along. Being a country boy myself, you know, I always tried to help them out, of course. But uh, probably Nikki is about one that uh, you could uh, you can pin down to me. I still see a lot of Nikki. Ninety one. So that, that oh, 91 yeah. elimination final, that we, we always talk about the, uh, the atmosphere. St Kilda hadn't played finals for about two decades. Uh, Gilbert McAdam kicked the first goal of the game. The, the roar was amazing. You kicked the second goal of the game. Can you take us through your memories of the atmosphere that day? St Kilda fans hadn't seen that for so long, and I imagine to be swept up in it as a player would have been amazing. It was, yeah. It, it really was. It was a damn shame that we lost. But... Uh, um, yeah, like you say, well, like I said before, all the good players, you know, Lowy, Plugger, um, Gilbert, Nicky, um, Berkey, unfortunately, uh, got collected by Gary Ablett and David Grant got collected by someone. Um, I think it might have been the same fellow, actually. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, and Spud did a great job down, down back, of course. Um, so... Yeah, unfortunately, all their good players played well too. I think Billy Brownless kicked a heap, Barry Stone, and um, yeah, Gary Ablett got a bit of it. Um, yeah, it was terrific game, terrific crowd, and uh, I don't think we we're overawed by it. Like uh, Plugger was kicking a few points early, which would have. Uh, like, you could never blame him for it because I think he kicked nine. But, uh, yeah, if we had a, kicked a few of those uh, points, went the right way, um, gee whiz, we would have beaten them. We would have been that far ahead at half time. I don't think they would have been able to shake us off. Uh, yeah, I think, I think Plugger kicked three in the first quarter, three points, which uh, yeah. wouldn't have happened too many times. In no, it wouldn't. Yeah, like I say, he's the best kick that's ever played, I think. And yeah, we can't we can't be too too upset about that. These things happen. You um you mentioned Spud, and, and obviously over the last couple of years, you know, w when we speak to, to guys from your era and 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 just kind of after, um, obviously that's that's a, a pretty strong topic of of conversation. What are your what are your memories of of Spud? Oh, well, once again. Uh, a farm boy, um, yeah, bloody terrific fella. Um, yeah, so funny, so genuine, so loyal, so uh, yeah, such a such a shame, you know. Like uh, everyone loved Spud across his path, and uh, yeah, yeah. I just wish we could get him back, but. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, never 
never have another spud. So, uh, yeah. Now, you're, there when, oh, you're there when interstate travel sort of started becoming a, a, a thing to happen with the inclusion of West Coast, then Brisbane, and then in 91, Adelaide. How, how was the transition from only traveling to the next suburb to play to getting on a plane traveling three hours to Perth and just just that you're basically the sort of almost the um the the almost a guinea pig i guess to go yeah how's this going to work and so how, how was it in the early days well in the early days uh i think we were still having a fair bit of fun and uh the longer trips that we could have when we were away um Probably most of the guys, me included, were thinking, uh, how good's this? Um, but then obviously, uh, you know, we had to knuckle down and, uh, and everyone did. It was a little bit of a, a um, oh, what's the word, bit of a, a funny situation for a start, you know, um, going over to Perth and up to Brisbane and uh, turning around and coming straight back. And, you know, you, for a while there, and I don't think it was just the St Kilda club, but uh, most most teams were always struggling the week after that Perth or, uh, or Brisbane trip, um, different weather, different uh, timelines, and, um, yeah, just added a new dimension to the preparation, I guess. In that... That video I was talking about, Year of the Rising Saint, it's, it's you and Robert Harvey that are putting the ball down Plugger's throat most of the way through that that uh, season. Um, I, I guess a lot of people that, get, that played in that era get asked that question. You were there for, for most of Tony Lockett's form, formula, formulative years, the, the 87 year where he broke out, 89 where he was dominating before he got suspended and injured, and obviously 91 where he tore it up. Can you tell us what it was like sharing a forward line with Plaga, but also coming out of the middle and, and delivering to a target that imposing? Yeah, well, uh, obviously it was um, one of my greatest memories to, uh, to play with Plaga. Um, he's still, in my mind, miles ahead of any other player that's played the game. Um, and I don't think I'm being too biased there. Um, yeah, I, look, I wasn't a great kicker or anything, field kick, um, but I was always comfortable when I got the ball when I was in the middle that uh, there was only one place to put it, and that's uh, in Plugger's vicinity. And uh, normally, um, you know, he'd, he'd grab it. So, uh, you know, it was pretty easy. It was always in the back of your mind that, just got to get the ball and get it down there and bugger will do the rest, uh, which invariably he did. Um, but, yeah, he was always very thankful and, you know, terrific fella, plugger, absolute gem. Uh, sim similar question. We, we spoke to Robert Harvey uh, on this show last year, early last year, um, and he told us how he wasn't even sure that he was going to play footy. He was leaning towards cricket. Um, but at what stage, and having watched him from the beginning, at what stage did you kind of click and go, this this kid can play footy, this kid can really play footy? Yeah. Well, I think um, us guys that trained with him and, and saw him sort of do all the work that he did to make himself a, not, not just a good player but a great player, um, yeah, as a kid, I was I was uh, there when he played his first game, and I think about three weeks later, he broke his leg really bad, and uh, I saw him being carted off, and I thought, bloody hell, he's he's got such a good future that that kid, and uh, um, I thought, I hope that doesn't uh, slow him down, or because it was a pretty bad break, I think at the time and uh, he just went to work as he always did and uh, bounced back and uh, yeah it's all history the ripper and a good fella to go with it as we all know um 
as Darren was saying earlier, you've sort of arrived at the club when the we were pretty much rock bottom and finished up when we were actually moving along as a very, club in a very good direction. How how was the shift in the crowd at Moorabbin when from from when you started to when you were sort of finishing up? Did did you feel there was a a change or was they just the same feral bunch every week when as you when you were down there? Um, the change of sort of going, okay, we're becoming successful, sort of shift a little or not? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Obviously, uh, when we moved out to, to Waverley, we were um, sort of distanced a bit from the, from the crowd. I, I don't think they were all ferals. Um, there was uh, the odd one, but generally... Um, Gee whiz, St Kilda supporters are so loyal and, you know, they hang their hat on everything at the start of each season and I just want them to, to see some more success. I, I think the way they're going about it now, you know, the coach, I think um, he's great and all their, all their young boys are, uh, are stepping up. Unfortunately, we've had a few injuries this, this season, you know, um, that took away, you know, a bit of our tools. And, uh, yeah, as they come back, you know, they're showing that uh, they're, they're still right with it, with the, with the top, top teams, I think. It'll be an interesting game tomorrow, obviously. Yeah, it certainly will. Obviously a challenge that uh, seems to be every year, Geelong. They don't go away, so it's another challenge for them. And even obviously we're talking about a final with Geelong, it's always been the way. But um, 92 for you, obviously you played some good footy that year. You, you missed a few games to the injury and the like. Your last game would be about four weeks before the finals against West Coast at Waverley in the pouring rain. Can you take us through, I think you turned 30 that year, um, obviously having debuted at 24, I guess, the, the latter stages of your career and how it sort of came to an end? Um, I don't really remember that last game against West Coast. Um, oh, I know I got a little knee injury towards the end of that year and, um, you know, we had... Uh, well, I had a, uh, a father that was uh, battling a bit on the due to age on the farm, so he was sort of indicating he'd love to see me back. And um, so, you know, it didn't take a lot for me to say to um, Kenny Sheldon at the time, um, oh, perhaps I might, I might snatch it and go back to the the farm. When I did decide that, uh, yeah, I'd go back to the farm, I was amazed sort of how many other clubs sort of said to me, well, why not? We think you've got a bit more in you. Um, why not come and have a crack at, at our club? And and um, I just said to them, I, I couldn't play for another club. I just love St Kilda that much. And uh, um, so I, I come back and got married, built a house, and then I played a year in Bendigo, and and by that stage, I was 33, 34, and uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've enjoyed my uh, retirement, I guess. Uh, a bit of a, a two-parter for me, but going back to the beginning, and we've mentioned how you kind of played alongside some of the greats of, of the club in, in Lockett and Frawley and Harvey and, and Burke and those guys. But there was another legend of the club who, who you were involved with at the, at the very start of your career, uh, which was Doc Baldock. What was, what was he like as, as a coach? And then what was that transition between Doc and Alan Davis for about a month or, or something? And, and then Kenny Sheldon from, from Carlton, who you mentioned earlier as well. Hmm. Well, I started, uh, my very first coach was Graham Jelly. Um, he uh, he taught me a lot. Um, always had a smile on his face and made it pretty easy for a first year player down down in Melbourne after coming from uh, the country. And then Doc uh, took over, and um, Doc obviously was a legend of the club, and um, we were all that excited, and for good reason. He he was a 
terrific, uh, terrific fellow. Unfortunately, um, he had those health issues towards, uh, oh, it was only a couple of years um, he was coaching for. Uh, I think it was in his second year that he had his, his first stroke and, uh, and Davo, his best mate, took over. Um, Davo was a, a ripping bloke, you know, called a spade a spade and we all, uh, we all, all enjoyed those couple of weeks with, with Davo and then, um, yeah, then Bomber took over, which was, uh, which was good. So, uh, yeah, I've been learned a lot from all my coaches and uh, enjoyed every moment of, uh, of their meetings and, uh, and uh, spending time with them. Um, I was going to ask, to find last one for me, is what's a lasting memory of playing for the club? What's, what's the one thing you'll look back at the club and say, that's what it was, that's, that's how I see it, and that's what I want to remember and tell any, anyone who asks me about it that, this is this is what it meant to me. Yeah, it's um, a hard question. Probably, um, well, I had a lot of soft tissue injuries. You know, I was really lucky with my um, my footy career. I didn't have any major knees or ankles or uh, or anything like that. But I did have a lot of soft tissue injuries and. Uh, when I first went down there, Barks was captain of the side and uh, and Barks was just an absolute legend. Um, and I remember after me doing about four hamstrings in two or three years and, uh, and as soon as I did a hamstring, you know, you'd be calling for the trainer and you'd be off and had the ice on and I watched Barks one day, I think I might've been out injured with a hamstring and I watched Barks one day, he did his hamstring early in the game and um, he was captain and he played on for the whole game with a, you know, I don't think he had any needles or anything to, to keep him out there. Um, and, I just shook my head and thought, you know, here I am, you know. And, and I don't think anyone could play with a, a good hamstring, and that was a good hamstring, I'm sure it was. And uh, I thought then, well, there's a leader and there's someone who, you know, we all should look up to and... Uh, and he's all about St Kilda and the club St Kilda and he plays for the jumper and he was captain and he wasn't going to walk off until that game had been finished. So I don't know that he played for another four or five weeks. Probably didn't do him much good. But uh, when he was out there, he, uh, he wasn't going to get off the um, field until the job was done. Well, Frank, you were, uh, you were a, a terrific player over the course of that, that period. And we always, you know, you measure someone that St Kilda were in a much better position when you left than when you started, that's for sure. And um, a really healthy run through that that early 90s, which you were a major part of, as we were talking about. I think you had 28 shots a goal in seven weeks to end the 91 season. You kicked five against Brisbane and then kicked four against Sydney and got the three Brownlow votes despite Plugger kicking 11 in that same game. So uh, that was a, uh, a fair effort. But... Thank you very much for joining us. Good luck with everything back home down there, and uh, we appreciate your time. Yeah, no worries, Tom. Thank you very much, and thanks to all the other boys. I was really impressed with, you know, as the other coaches, was the, the work rate and the, you know, the real grind mentality from the, and the spirit that the players showed at the end. And we were you know, sort of running away a little bit with the with the game, but not much. But um, we sort of dominated field position in the last quarter and really had our tails up. So just to you know, turn that margin round, 25 points in the last quarter and our work rate was fantastic. Hope you enjoyed the chat with Frankie Cogman there. Also a little bit of Brett Ratton speaking 
after the results on the weekend. We look ahead to round number nine against the, the Cats. And, and a reminder also that you can catch uh, the article, uh, Nick, that you, uh, in regards to the chat with or the, the presser from, from Kel Wilkie and, and some of the thoughts and the stats around that, it's uh, at uh, Zero Hanger. Is that where people go to find that? Yeah, that's right. Got, um, got to have a, a good listen to to Cal and ask him some questions at his presser on uh, on Tuesday and uh, had a chat with our, uh, our old friend Chris Toche, who uh, who was the, the one who recruited Cal and, uh, and got some of his thoughts from uh, from his time a couple of years ago. And um, yeah, it's just really interesting period. And, and uh, you know, Cal's just a, a lovely guy and um, just wish him all the best for his, his 50th this week. For the Geelong Clash this week, so we know the, the changes and the news filtered through around Zach Jones. It was an interesting one that with, with Zach. He got injured at training and uh, Dan Churney, who was a St Kilda supporter who writes for Fairfax, put a piece up at about quarter past 12, half past 12, and no one picked it up. Um, it didn't get didn't get noted by anyone until after 8 o'clock at night, I think, when it started to really filter through. And um, so, unfortunately, a pretty bad quad, um, and he'll miss about eight weeks. So he goes out of the side. Uh, also omitted was Nick Caulfield, which is an interesting one. He um, certainly struggled in the early stages of the year. Thought he found his feet a bit, but in the last couple of weeks has battled. Looked a bit sore last week, potentially, but not totally against that. But you certainly want him to get his form back. And Dara Joyce was omitted. I know we've probably spoken a bit about that, but I actually thought he was all right on the weekend. I thought that his game against the Gold Coast was one of the better games he's played for us. And I understand that matchups and things like that. But of all the weeks to get dropped, he was a little bit stiff. Uh, Seb Ross comes back in. Um, so that's the, the mid for the mid. James Frawley will play his first game for the club, um, having got injured in the practice match against Carlton and came back in the VFL a couple of weeks ago. And Tom Highmore, good to see him back. His, his form has been warranting selection. Uh, so it's effectively a lot of likes for likes where Highmore replaces Caulfield as sort of the intercept player. Frawley replaces Joyce as the key and Ross replaces Jones in the middle, albeit different type players. So uh, that'll be sort of how that looks. Jaron Geary should play in the twos this week. So he'll get a bit closer to a run. Um, and apart from that, it's sort of Carlisle who's close with that back. Uh, which has kept him out for a couple of weeks. Hanabry, who knows? Um, and obviously Gresham out for the year and Jones for a decent chunk of it. So we'll, um, we'll, the injury list is getting smaller, but unfortunately we added another player to it uh, the week just gone. I think Dean Kent had a concussion too, and he should be okay for uh, VFL selection just to, to keep a bit of depth on around that. So um, the changes, I guess, make sense. H, given everything that um, we know about Geelong, we probably needed to reinforce the defence a little bit. Uh, we really do need to dominate the ruck and play very quickly out of the middle. I think given, I mean, Geelong aren't blessed with leg speed, but they're a very good midfield side. They use the ball well. If we could just break from the middle, and it's a shame we're losing a couple of our quicker players in, in Gresham and Jones for a game like this, but um, quick ball movement forward, put a bit of pressure on them. Um, you know, we've, we've beaten them there before. We play all right against them at Marvel generally. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a winnable game, albeit um, not everything going our way. Yeah, and that's probably lucky it's not down in Geelong with the weather conditions they're going to be around this weekend. It would have been a would have been perfect for them down there. And so inside, under the roof is, yeah, much, much better situation for us. Um, for all the coming in... A good situation, I believe, because I've saw something about him um, up against Hawkins in the last few times. He's he's had Hawkins measure, so if he can hold him down to like one, maybe two, then we're we're hitting that mark there. Um, but yeah, the rest of changes, as you say, like for likes, they're pretty much. I, I think yeah, Caulfield may need a little bit of a little bit of time just to go get his confidence back. I mean. Full of confidence last year, and this year he's just been a little bit hesitant at times. So, I mean, it's probably not the worst thing for him just to go, Well, look, you're not just going to be picked every week. You go back, show us, earn your spot back, show us that you uh, should be in the senior team. You just be go down the scene, you'd be too good. And yeah, the position will probably open back up again. Um, but yeah, it's disappointing about Jones. That's as as you're saying, late today when I heard, I was like, 
oh, that's that's not a good thing. And I heard about 10 weeks and I was like, okay, yeah, so it must be a must be a pretty bad quad. So yeah, it's a unfortunate when he's last few weeks he's really picked it up and been re- really good source for us. So um yeah, but otherwise Joyce very unlucky. I mean, I, I don't think he's done anything wrong for the last two weeks. He there's a couple couple of points last week where I just so he's just thrown himself in and got the ball out for us. And I thought he was actually finding his feet quite well. So he's probably quite unlucky. Um, then I think, what was it? Loney? Loney's the sub. So that didn't change from last week. I was surprised he didn't come in ahead of Wood last week, to be honest. So um, we thought that might have been the case. But yeah, it was a, quite surprising when they went with Joan, uh, Joan, uh, um, the Wood over him. So. It's yeah, um, but as you're saying, quick movement, um, get that getting that first use. Um, they're a very in and under, and then get the ball out to the run player on the outside and all that sort of thing. So if they're getting in and under, we've got to get maybe don't hang at the back of the pack like both teams generally do. Get around the other side with their and sit on the players who are waiting to receive the ball outside. So it just just shut down that given run that they get from the back of a pack, and um, it, it's going to be a very very much a match that we need to um, tactically beat them and get ahead of them. Yeah, I the think... good part about um, playing on a Friday night means whoever we play as the sub can get a game with Sandy if they don't get a run. So it's not a waste. Like I know Sandy didn't play last week, but for example, if you flew an emergency to Queensland, they couldn't have played reserves. So. At least, if it is Loney or, or Wood or whoever it is, they, they they can play another game the following day, Nick. But yeah, so we, we do have to get it tactically right. Um, it's another chance. Of, it does the bottom line and the the financial whatever the 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 prime time game thing only matters to some degree. But um, we obviously had that Thursday night marquee fixture against Richmond and were dreadful that night. Um, we've got to make sure we bring something in this. Well, we've we've tended to not turn up those yeah. big occasions in recent times. And, and, you know, it's about time that, that we did and, and we did that, but you know, I think we, we've all of us kind of spoken a few times over the last, you know, three weeks, I guess, at how surprised we were when, when Dara Joyce got a run mm. over, to, over Tommy Highmore. Um, but, you know, to his credit, he's justified his selection every week. Um, and both you, you're right. He, he's incredibly stiff to go out this week. And, um, you know, I think that that record that you talked about, H of um, of Frawley on on Hawkins, I think he's he's averaged something like one point six goals conceded over his last five or six um, in, in those matchups, and he he's got a very good record on uh, on Hawkins, and so that's you know that can that can only be the the reason why he's coming in this week for for Joyce, because otherwise I don't think Joyce has done anything wrong over his past two or three to to justify um, being dropped, but. You know, must they've, they've got a lot of faith in, in Frawley, obviously. Um, the Coffield one's a really interesting one. It's going to be interesting to see if he plays for the twos because it could be one of those ones where, you know, he, he's looked a step behind all year. I think he, he's had one or two decent games. I think the Hawthorne game, he, he was pretty good, but, um, you know, it wasn't a high, a high bar to set. Um, but the rest of the season, he's, he's looked a, a step behind, um, a step slow, um, and, and just things like reaction times and, and decision-making hasn't been there. And, and they're the things that I think he really, you know, hangs his hat on as, as a skillful intercept defender, running defender. Um, and he just hasn't been able to show those tools that made him so dangerous last year. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting one. I think he, he probably needs a week off and, and you know, like I said, whether he plays for the twos or, or has a, a week off completely to, to kind of get himself right. I don't know if he's carrying any niggles or, or anything like that, but he hasn't looked right all year. Um, Jones is, is a tough one. I mean, he's, he's been in and out early this year with, with other soft tissue injuries and, and stuff. And he just seemed like he was hitting his straps and, and the whole midfield as, as a group, you know, brought in, in Bytel and Burns and, and they've really kind of fit in and, and the way that they've worked together as, as a midfield group, um, has been really impressive and it felt like they were just starting to you know, get that cohesion together as a, as a group. So for Jones, who's become a really important member of that 
of that middle team um, is really disappointing, and, and he must be gutted. But uh, you know, it gives it gives someone like a like a Ryan Burns another chance to to step up again. You know, I was really really glad to see that both those guys, Bartell and Burns, are still in the team, and and you know, they're, they're still getting getting a run. I think they each week they've done some good things. They might not necessarily be, you know, the the, the game winners, but they're doing some good things. They're they're doing their job. They're reliable and and they they offer us something different to what we've been used to over the past couple of years. So I'm glad to see that they're that they're still in the team. Um, great to see Highmore. I think you know we've all said that Highmore should probably be in the team every week. He's he's really impressed. He hasn't put a foot wrong, uh, and and looks you know, a lot like Callum Wilkie. You know he's very calm, very calm with the ball. I think he's a bit taller than than Cal. Uh, but you know, very, very cool and and kind of relaxed. He hits the contest hard, but but he's very smooth when he's got it. Um, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. It looks like his, his decision making is very good. The way that he reads the play is very good. Um, and so I'm excited to see him. Hopefully, he gets a a solid run. I know a lot of a lot of super coach and fantasy players will be happy that he's in the team. This is I think this is the third game, so we'll get that that price bump. Um, but you know, hopefully, hopefully he gets a good run because you know it seems like he deserves it. He's he's working hard, and uh, and he deserves a spot. Yeah, their midfield of, and obviously we, we spoke about the defence. I mean, the matchups are important there. Um, with as you say, Frawley will probably get first crack at Hawkins. Howard would therefore go to Jeremy Cameron. He kicked six last week. Gary Rowan kicked five. So whether that's Wilkie or Highmore or Webster potentially. Um, and then guys like Parfit or, or whatever would, would float forward. Uh, the midfield, plenty of experience in there, as we know, with Duncan, Higgins, Selwood, Smith, Menegola, Guthrie, uh, the youngster, youngish player in, in Narkel that can sort of go through there. Dalhouse spends a bit of time through the middle as well. So, yeah, still a, a very good team. But um, we know they've, they've struggled a bit in the ruck. Radagalia uh, is the player that they're going with in that role at the moment. We know they've used Ray Stanley and various others in the past. Occasionally, they've thrown Blitzarves into the ruck for his athleticism. But generally, I mean, he's an all-Australian fullback. So if, they, if they're forced to take him out of there, then that's a good thing as well. So just got to be good with those matchups. Um, Buse is a pretty good lockdown defender for them. So does he go to Higgins or Butler? Um, who gets the other of those players, um, we'll, we'll see. Um, can Interesting with Battle, because Tom Stewart intercepts a lot for them. So whether Battle just tries to pick him off and, and just try to keep him away from, uh, you know, picking up 25 touches floating across halfback as he does. But they belted us last year when we were competitive for half a game. And we had a four-day break then and, you know, it might sound like we're making excuses, but that's a that's a genuine one at the end of a pretty long run of matches. So, uh, as much as this is a six day break coming off hot weather, we've got to equip ourselves better against the top side. We were very competitive against the top echelon last year, whereas Richmond and Port Adelaide have thumped us this year. We obviously beat West Coast, but this is another chance against uh, you know a grand finalist from last year to show that we're a fair income side. So, hopefully, um, we can put the, our best foot forward. Our, our team on paper is certainly capable. We're, we're far closer to them than we've demonstrated in the past. It's on our turf. It's another chance on a Friday night. We get an eight-day break coming off this game. So, hopefully, we can throw everything at it and, and have a decent old crack uh, across the course of the, of the night. But... Boys, fingers crossed. Um, yeah, I don't mind the squad picked on the back of Zach going out of that team injured. But, um, yeah, big chance for us tomorrow night and go Saints.